Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Welcome back to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today I'm interviewing Alana Keneally, who has been on the podcast before, but for those of you who may not know, she is Dr. Lee Erin Keneally's daughter. And today we are talking about nutrition and dietary habits, but specifically her dietary habits, some of the choices and decisions she makes in her everyday meals, some of the things she avoids, and why she avoids them. And she's really careful to point out that this is not meant to be medical advice. She's not an expert in nutrition. This is literally just her perspective, some of the reasons and data behind the choices she has made, along with the influence that Dr. Keneally has had on her and her life choices. So with that, please enjoy this interview with Alana Keneally. Well, welcome back, Alana, to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Thank you. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we had such a great response to the beauty episode. People just loved the input that you had to share. And so we are bringing you back by popular demand to talk about nutrition and dietary habits, what you do and why, what you've picked up from your mom, Dr. Lear and Keneally. So yeah, so, you know, first off, I know in this day and age, like, talking about food is, is like, it's like a landmine because people feel very attached to their chosen cuisine, and it's, like, this deeply, like, primitive thing that's, like, deep in our conscious, and we we feel very attached to it. So I, I'm happy to share my experience, but I always approach everything with, like, an open mind and, you know, know that the body is still a mystery, and uh, we have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think what we were talking about even before we started recording was this is not meant to be a prescription for anyone or yeah. even a recommendation for anyone. This is purely your experience, what works for you. Right. And then some of the reasons behind the choices that yeah. you're making, which I think is going to be so fascinating. Yeah. So growing up with Dr. Keneally, we ate a lot of amazing food, like what you would expect, like good protein, bison, lamb, meat, and then vegetables, salad, you know, fresh tomatoes, and she always had raw milk, um, although I still, like, beat myself up because I'd always trade my sandwich for gushers at the at the, at the school lunch, <laughs> which is very, I'm, like, still, like, Alana, you know better. I'm, st- I'm still repenting <laughs> Yeah, <for that>. exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, yeah, growing up, we had, you know, really good food, and then, you know, kind of through college, I was on a pretty keto-ish diet. Um, I ate, you know, 
low, no processed food, low sugar. I felt pretty good. And then when I graduated college, I worked at a tech company and they had the most amazing cafeteria, like everything you can think of, like Chinese food, Mexican food. And every day I would get a salad with protein and fat, olive oil and everything. And I thought everything was fine. And then something kind of peculiar happened. And I think I've told you this before. Yeah, yeah, but you have to share it because it's so <laughs> whack. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it, yeah. So, I started getting this kind of frequent urination at night. Like I would start, right when I went to bed, I'd have to go pee like 15 times. And it was kind of alarming because, well, number one, it's kind of a sign of like an 80 year old, like an older lady, you know, having to pee all the time. And number two, it's a telltale sign of diabetes because you're eating a lot of glucose and your body's trying to excrete it any way possible. So I I knew that and I I got a a little nervous and so did my mom because I was, you know, I've never had any health issues really. And so I did all the tests. I even got an ultrasound on my ovaries um, because it wouldn't go away. And so no one could kind of, you know, kind of like, well, it could be a bunch of different things trying to figure it out. And so I started doing research on my own. I found this guy on the internet that had the exact same symptoms. And what he said to do is cut out all, uh, what worked for him is cut out all oxalate high foods, which um, tend to be, you know, the most common known oxalate food, like density wise is um, in spinach. And that is one of the foods I was eating every day with my salad. Mm. So I thought I'd try anything and I, you know, stopped eating that. And I cannot really overestimate how life-changing <laughs> it was for me. Um, it was night and day. I mean, not only did my urination problems go away, but I felt this like sense of clarity and calm in my brain. My skin cleared up. Um, sleep-wise, it was just completely different. Like I was sleeping a lot better, and it was all because um, I, I believe from these oxalate rich foods and one of the things i can kind of explain with oxalates is so um the plant kingdom is is amazing i don't mean to villainize it but there's certain uh vegetables and plants that are very high in oxalic acid and oxalates and so they look up you know close in the microscope and they actually look like little shards of glass and um they kind of are because they can lodge in all different parts of your body and one of the main you know when you type it into google it'll come up as kidney stones and that's a, mm-hmm. a main symptom but one thing in women that happens is they get vulvar pain um and and there's a, a bunch of other you know symptoms like neurological issues and hormonal issues that this 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 little poison can um cause in your body um because and it can cause inflammation basically so a lot and the, the most fascinating thing I find about oxalates is actually the relation to cancer mm-hmm. because what they've shown in animal studies um, is that mice actually turn normal cells into cancer cells and the tumor progression when fed oxalates were, were off the charts. It's kind of crazy. Not only that, but in breast cancer, this is especially important for you know breast cancer patients, is that they've found in humans that um, breast cancer tissue has more oxalate receptors on it. So there's a lot of correlations between what, why this might happen. Basically, um, you know, this is kind of talked about a lot now, but this was years ago and there wasn't as much. And, um, you know, so everything in, in this world wants to stay alive. And so mm-hmm. one of the ways plants stay alive is they have these little toxins in it and other ones include lectins and phytic acid. Um, and historically how we kind of counteract this is we 
you know, take a lot of care into our preparation of food. So soaking, fermenting, even cooking reduces the oxalate content. The problem is in its raw form, it can cause a lot of inflammation. And this is even, you know, prevalent in keto foods, which is what I was on. A lot of nuts have oxalates and a lot of, uh, you know, plants like rhubarb and Swiss chard and spinach, as I said, are high in oxalates. So uh, even cacao. So I um, basically, and I, I don't say any of this to villainize the plant kingdom because every everything has this role in our in our planet and one of the great gifts of it is that we get medicine from from plants like for example we treat cancer with mistletoe and curcumin and even echinacea um, even the original like aspirin and advil are all derivatives of plants so there's this amazing role they have in them but there's also these inherent toxins that they can uh, do to a human just because they want to stay alive mm-hmm. um, they do it to animals so that they prevent overeating these animals so that their, you know, their plant colony can continue to stay alive. So basically, I went on a low, I still am on a low kind of oxalate diet. So what does that mean? Like on a daily, (laughs) what do I eat every day? Um, It's a lot of animal food. I usually start with like eggs and butter. And um, then I'll do for lunch, usually like a steak with sauerkraut, um, or mushrooms and or fish roe or scallops or um, uh, lamb chop and then for dinner I usually have the same thing hmm. for, as I had for lunch and <laughs> you've seen me eat lunch a million times oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's so funny because you're our little resident carnivore just munching away <laughs> some kind of meat at yeah, all times always with almost. my hands oh, always with her hands it's the cutest thing ever but well first I want to say in relation to the plants and the fact that plants have these toxins in them, which mm. to a lot of us, this is a concept that we find hard to believe because mainstream media really, you know, just says, eat your veggies, eat your veggies. Mm-hmm. They're so good for you. Mm-hmm. But it's you know, the way I think about it in my mind is like, if we ate raw meat, we'd probably get sick, mm-hmm. but it's not hard for us to know. Oh yeah. If we eat that raw, we'll get sick. So let's cook it. It can be the same for a lot of plants. If we eat too much of this raw, we can get sick, so let's cook it. And our ancestors knew that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is not really new information, yeah. but we've come so far from it. I think one of the things your mom said was, you know, she was like, we practice new medicine here, but she was like, new medicine is really just resurrected old medicine. Yeah, I actually love that line too, because it's it's so true. And honestly, like I say that, not so that we can employ everything our ancestors did because of course there's things we wouldn't want to do but it's simply a way of you know acknowledging the that we are an exquisite result of evolution and so there's certain practices in our diet that we are best suited to do given that we've been on this planet for millions of years and you know historically we've always eaten meat it's always been part of our diet and that's because we can only get certain nutrients from meat and there's you know a lot of other great reasons to eat meat and um yeah so I think it's 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 not it's not yeah, it's just really important. Yeah, one of the things I love to make note of is the fact that just we have to honor the evolution from which we came even just 100, 200 years ago because mm-hmm. the amount of change that has shifted in the last even 50 years mm-hmm. of our world, our mm-hmm. structure, the amount of blue light we're exposed to, the lack mm-hmm. of sun exposure, the new additives in our mm-hmm. food, just literally from a scientific perspective, our bodies have not had the time to evolve so to mm-hmm. handle those things. So maybe in a million years, they'll see that 
uh, humans' livers mm-hmm. doubled in size yes. to process the toxins. <laughs> yeah. So we, yeah, that's such a good point because we cannot override certain things in our evolution. In, in fact, we need to honor them and and to have gratitude for them. And and this is not to get into like this metaphysical conversation <laughs> as we usually do, but um, you know, it, it, there's certain realities of life that we have to confront and examine and one of those is that all life lives off life so something must die whether it's plant or fungus must die for you to live and you know when you get placed into the ground little insects will eat off you and (laughs) and, yeah and and they don't see it as bad or good it simply is that Mm -hmm. is that is is and and that's the way nature always is and we impose our man-made kind of um opinions on things and that's when we see our health suffer really with these uh you know uh, these kind of new age ideas but in reality um if we really honored nature we would get closer to the farm we would we would meet the cow we would you know and part of part of this is you walk into the grocery store and you forget that meat actually came from an animal Mm -hmm. and how can you have gratitude for something you don't even know what it is Mm -hmm. you know you don't even know like what that you know bone marrow comes from the femur of the cow you know certain things that how can you really like have gratitude for every bite when when you're so detached from it and one of the reasons we laugh about me eating my meat with my hands but I actually feel like that is a (laughs) it's kind of might be sound silly but a way to connect with what has died for you to live Mm -hmm. and nourish every cell in your body and how can you really how can this world be healthy if you're not healthy yeah and this kind of goes into um why is you know why is meat healthy why do we need it and i you know we don't have to make this all about protein or anything (laughs) um but we just get this question all the time is like well dr c eats eats meat and she treats cancer and that should be a telltale sign right now that meat does not cause cancer Mm, yeah (laughs) well so okay there's a couple things i specifically want to ask you about because obviously i follow dr c on instagram Uh and a couple of the things she posts about frequently are, first of all, the quality of meat. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure we touch on that. Mm-hmm. And then bone marrow, of course, we need <laughs> to talk about that. But then also the bread and like the types mm-hmm. of flour and yeah. bread that you are using to make or where you're getting that, yeah. that kind of bread and why. Yeah, so we always eat 100% grass-fed meat, which is the uh, natural diet of cows. And, you know, of course, with lambs, it's very hard to feed lambs anything other than grass. So they're usually always grass-fed. Um, yeah, I think it's incredibly important to work, shop from local farms and from regenerative farms when possible. Um, really, on, not necessarily a difference in nutri- nutritional levels, because the research on that is not clear whether it really changes the nutrition profile. But from a, you know, when you think about everything you put in your body is how you are you really like it feeds not only your hormones and your body but your soul so you always want a healthy animal mm-hmm. it's so important to have a healthy animal um that it all translates into you and then as far as bread goes we always you know get bread from either our friend that bakes sourdough she has a small little sourdough company um or we uh, will buy it from the bakery and it's always sourdough which uh it's usually sourdough because it's um sourdough's natural fermented process um and or like today i had like a fresh rye with my eggs Mm. and there's no like certain magical substances and carbs they really just um they taste delicious and they go well with fat with with butter and one note on the carbs um (laughs) because i think there this should be said about men versus women because women you know they they tend it's very common i crave carbs you know and and that is often a result because women have fertility and they need to 
to have fertility, they have they ins- have a little layer of fat, and that's to have a healthy baby. So you know, a lot of times, um, you know, women tend in historical setting would eat a lot more carbs than men simply because it's beneficial for mm-hmm. fertility offspring purposes. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that stock reserve of nutrients and energy, which mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. when we were living in a time where we didn't have just overabundance mm-hmm. of resources yep. we needed that backstock yeah, totally and uh, like a little layer of fat helps with energy metabolism so to be complete skin and bones number one it would have shown you weren't a good hunter and you couldn't support you know you and your family but number two it's it's actually healthier to have a little uh layer so yeah. skin and bones like you know i know for young women it's kind of a goal but in reality it's not it's really not healthy yeah but vogue told me <laughs> that's what i should be achieving <laughs> yeah and I, okay I, we don't I, need to hate I, on anyone here. i think it's good to be like like thin and trim um and 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 your body will reach that on its own that own like homeostasis when it's eating the right things when it's eating enough fat and enough protein um so you the one the one thing about eating this way is like i kind of walk through what a normal day is is like it kind of frees you from those misconceptions and this constant back and forth that young women have about their bodies Mm -hmm. this like sort of I want to lose weight I can't lose weight yo-yo it's like those rules kind of go out the window and you enter this new realm of I'm just going to eat until I'm full and because it's amazing because it makes me feel amazing and you're completely liberated from all of those uh you know societal kind of issues that people tend to have with food these days especially young women you know yeah well it's so interesting because one of the things I actually was just talking with a client about this we were actually doing an evox series Mm -hmm. on weight management Mm because she just has been running into so many blocks and one of the things I was saying is rather than have this arbitrary number in your mind that you want to weigh or a size of genes that you want to be I want you to imagine how you want to feel. Mm -hmm. That should be the goal. I want to feel energetic. I want to wake up refreshed. I want to be able to go on a long hike with my family. I want to be able to help my children move home and Mm -hmm. be able to pick up boxes. And if that's the goal, then maybe you achieve that at this certain weight. And maybe you don't look like the model on the cover of the magazine, but you feel amazing. And it's like, if that is the goal, I think just as you're saying, it frees us up from having to achieve anything else, right? Because if the one goal is I need to weigh 150 pounds, there is no margin of error. Mm -hmm. 150 pounds is 150 pounds and you're going to be upset until you reach that goal. But if the goal is, look, I want to have, I want to be vibrant and have energy. There's a lot more wiggle room there and you're probably going to be so much healthier if that is what you're aiming for. Yeah. And like those end results will come when they have the right inputs. Um, and so it's just about, you know, like some people kind of like will even put like a pizza in front of me. And I, I honestly can say that does not appeal. Like it, it's not even my world that I want that because I, I, I deserve the best. I want the best and it makes you the best. So why would I, you know, bring myself down? And it's, this is not a toxic relationship. It's just like knowing that I deserve the best always, you know? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of nutrition, it's so funny because what I noticed was I was an athlete all through college, played on my university soccer team, training four hours a day, and I look better now than I did then. And I work out maybe 30 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I changed my nutrition, it was like my body was just like, "Uh, hello, this Mm -hmm. is what we've been waiting for. Now we can do Mm -hmm. everything so much easier. And so for me, it was like, I really did have this belief that to be fit and feel good and feel energetic, I had to starve myself or not Mm -hmm. eat a lot. And Mm -hmm. 
I think the reality is exactly what you said already. When you give your body the nutrients it needs, everything else just falls into place kind of effortlessly. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, for people who are really sick, there may need to be some really um, targeted detoxing and healing of chronic illnesses. But a huge, huge foundational point of that is the nutrition. Yeah. I, I actually, like, there's this doctor that was saying, like, food is not medicine. And he's actually right. Because it is so much more important than medicine. Medicine is something you use sporadically based off certain ailments. Food is the building blocks to your life. And I, I really, when I said, like, my life changed, I can't overestimate it enough when I started, you know, not eating as much oxalates and more fat and stuff, animal foods. Um, I mean it because my soul changed, my brain changed, mm. like everything changed. Um, yeah, so I... <laughs> and it was just, I, I think to to that point, there are different, there are certain groups of people who come from certain areas of the world who can tolerate different things, mm -hmm. literally just based on their genetics yeah. and ancestral their evolutionary genes, yeah. ancestral genes. Exactly. And so that can definitely be a role in why yeah. you might have, you might be extra sensitive to oxalates. Yeah, of course there's different varying, uh, people have different kind of responses to oxalates and different things. And I do think our ancestral gene, like genes, they do play a role because for example, my best friend's Japanese and she tends to be able to tolerate a lot more rice than I can. I feel a little bit more like bloated. Um, and that, you know, that historically could have played a part. Um, but there's, there's also certain threads that will run through every single human because we do require the same nutrients. That's why, mm -hmm. you know, nutrition, it's not like there's different guidelines for different people or anything. They're pretty much, you know, all the same. So it's like, it's very nuanced, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think when it comes to what we should not be eating, like there's never going to be a time where glyphosate is good for a human mm -hmm. being, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we have never historically eaten like chronically, uh, carbs and sugar um and in this process manner because of course the source as you mentioned like the quality always matters and that's where you kind of run into issues is um this chronic consumption of processed carbs and sugar and the main reason for that is you're you know you're overworking the pancreas and that's why people end up with diabetes and that's why uh like having a low carb diet is so can be so helpful because you're you're not producing as much insulin and a lot of that insulin actually creates you know heart disease and um you know and i don't mean to villainize sugar because of course you have taste buds on your mouth that that can detect you know sweetness and we've always eaten honey and berries and everything um so it's it's not to villainize that but just to explain that the source matters and number two they were not eaten on such a regular chronic basis Ever. Yeah. Well, I love that you point that out. And it's actually something that Liliana and I were talking about on last week's episode in regards to like how we should be shifting our, our eating habits during the summer. And mm -hmm. one of the things we talked about is, again, from an evolutionary standpoint, <laughs> we only ate fruit in the summer because mm -hmm. that was the only time it grew, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of the spring too. Mm -hmm. But winter, you know, fall, winter months, there wasn't a lot going on. The only mm -hmm. time we would get that was if maybe they made some jams that were preserved or something. And mm -hmm. it was very sparing, right? Because they, yeah. they didn't have this constant yep. influx of fruit. And so, yeah, so I, I, this summer, I've definitely been eating a lot more fruit than I normally do throughout the year. Um, and so when we examine like what they did, I think we do that so that because this is, should be like, we should point out that 
these tribes, like for example, the Inuits, the Arctic tribe, they have incredible bone density. They have no mark of heart disease. They have no dental caries. So this is a kind of an example of pinnacle human beingness that we can achieve. Um, and they also lived very long lives. Like some of them, you know, like there's, it's documented that some, a lot of them lived up until 90 years old. So basically we can compare and contrast um, the, all the issues we have now, you know, some, the sickest population we've ever had, in, in, including diabetes and obesity and heart disease, compared to these um, secluded tribes that led a fully traditional life and and saw and reaped a lot of benefits. So that's the whole point, you know, is comparing and contrasting and and avoiding normalizing these issues that we see in modernity because they're not normal. Mm-hmm. They're just not. When yeah. We look at other when we look at other civilizations. Yeah, yeah, they're common. What what they always say here is they're common, but they. Mm-hmm. should not be normal yes yeah i was listening to like a doctor talk about heart disease and she's like well it's very normal for you know teenagers to get scar tissue on their arteries so that's just like a normal process and I, no it's actually <laughs> not because when we look at the inuits they have no mark of scar tissue around their arteries mm. so 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 no <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably not yeah Okay, so now I have to ask you about the raw milk, and I think that's another interesting point for people because I don't know anyone who drinks raw milk anymore. So why do you drink it? What are the benefits? So I actually don't drink it that much. It's just if I'm going to eat milk, and milk is another thing that I'm very on the fence on um, for a lot of different reasons, but the reasons I do drink, if I'm going to drink milk, is, um, well, number one, when, when you don't uh, pasteurize something, you maintain all the enzymes that are required to digest it. And then when you pasteurize it, a lot of people will find themselves that they're lactose intolerant, but when they drink raw milk, they seem to be able to handle it. It's mm. indicating that a lot of the enzymes are required for that proper digestion. Um, I drink a lot more raw keeper, which doesn't have any lactose in it. Um, so there's a lot of, again, mixed literature on whether we should drink milk or not. And that could be a completely separate episode um, yeah that's kind of where I'm at now if you are in terms of what I believe to be the most like if you're if you're lactose intolerant and don't want to drink milk I drink coconut milk and I also will I in in addition to raw milk I will drink um, occasionally coconut milk that comes in nature you open it up it's very sweet milk there's no uh, real intense um, harvest or not harvesting, but uh, like machinery or sort of processing is the word I'm looking for that goes into it the way that like an oat or an almond milk mm-hmm. would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're you're probably gonna piss off a lot of oat milk lovers, but can you tell us why you don't drink? Some of like the nut milks. I don't think You're you drink really any trying nut to milks. Trying to get me like <laughs> hated today. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> so I mean, the reason I don't drink oat milk and almond milk is because there's no reason to. Like nutritionally speaking, there's no there's no there's no benefit to it really. Um, there's no bioavailable nutrients that are found in these uh, new age marketed inventions, and it's so blasted in our brain that almond milk and oat milk are better for us. Why? I don't see any uh, convincing research that it is i mean specifically almond milk is mostly water i think it's two percent um almonds but on another level they're just they they tend to add canola oil processed oil and sugar mostly to their um to their to their liquids and then also the anti-nutrient 
uh, anti-nutrients in nuts, which is what I, you know, mentioned about oxalates is that nuts also come with their own, you know, issues, especially, for example, cashews. Um, Look up, you know, cashew farmers and what cashews actually do to a farmer's hands. It's incredibly corrosive. Um, So all these things that we are taught are truths. Um, We have to kind of, I think, be very skeptical of those heavily marketed sort of uh, just repeated lines because there's a lot of interest in food. Big agriculture has its hands in so in, in so many different ways, and that's because there's no profit in farms and like regenerative farms. Because uh, when you think about a you know a big herd of <laughs> animals, it takes you know cowboys, vets. It's also a very perishable item. Um, so alternatively you have wheat these monocrops that are harvested virtually automatically without a human and then they're transported without any issue of perishing it's a very high margin food Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of interest in getting you to eat grains and when we started um, harvesting agriculturally these grains is when we saw the downfall of a lot of the health we see in the world and and that is that is a fact because mm-hmm. now we see the highest rates of obesity and diabetes and we see the lowest rates of people eating meat. Alternatively, you have to fill your plate with something, right? So you yeah. get rid of a, a, like a nutrient-dense fat, um, whether it's coconut oil or whatever, um, and then you, you replenish it with uh, a processed carb that has been sold to you as being a superfood or healthy. And traditionally, they would they would laugh at us. <laughs> yeah, 100%. When it's just when you really take that bird's-eye view – this is, I think, really since the invention of like marketing and the media, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is sort of the the ebb and flow that we go through as mm-hmm. a society. You know, however many years ago, fat was the demon mm-hmm. and then cholesterol was the demon. Mm-hmm. And and so people stopped eating that and started mm-hmm. eating mm-hmm. fat free. And I think mm-hmm. that is just something that I have come to terms with, that <laughs> there's always going to be the next best thing that I should be eating, yes. as well as the new the thing that was good that's bad now that I shouldn't Mm -hmm. be eating. And I think like you can get lost in that. And I I think really the only way is to just come back to me. Mm -hmm. When I eat, what makes me feel good? But that also requires that I'm present Mm -hmm. and really paying attention and in tune with my body. Yeah, it's you have to really listen to your body. And like there's this little voice in your head that I think can be stronger than all of these like societal kind of things that everyone tells you and like you know the past is a master filter so you you know filter out things that are good and bad and so basically if your grandma could recognize the food um you're probably better off eating it than if she couldn't which she probably would not know what oat milk is well my grandma (laughs) eats taco bell every day oh really (laughs) and drinks diet that is not a lie that is literally her diet taco bell and diet coke fine great 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 which i think i think shows you (laughs) the impact that mental health can have because she is just like i'm never dying (laughs) <laughs> and somehow she hasn't died totally. and she's like 95, no, 96. No, that's amazing. Anyways, that's a tangent. But it's so funny because literally, I, I don't think I've ever said this to anyone, but literally sometimes I'll go to reach to take a supplement that I'm taking and I'll just have this like ping of intuition that's like, oh, pass on that today. And mm-hmm. so I just won't take mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Or I'll get a ping to like add this to your food or eat this today and I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's something there maybe there's not but no totally your 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 gut and your instinct they they rarely mislead you and i i do the same thing i will like cycle different supplements and 
experiment on my own and kind of dis like you're gonna care about your body more than anyone no medical professional has the interest that you have and so if you have any sort of symptom like know that you should get to the bottom of it and a lot of the component could be dietary and so you know making these changes for two weeks like what harm like it could save your life and it could it could make a huge impact and just being open to these things of the world and being incredibly skeptical when someone you know just because they may have the credentials kind of is espousing things because like I said the body is still mysterious and they're still learn. I think the hard thing and this is what I see a lot with friends and family is they they felt sick for so long that they sort of are like, well, I eat all these things and I feel okay. Mm-hmm. And so they, or they're like, yeah, I, I'm eating these things and I don't know what's bothering me. Mm-hmm. Even though I have a ton of symptoms and I, I'm sick, I don't know what's bothering me. And I think, and you can touch on this too, is they're, they're so inflamed. Mm-hmm. Everything has become desensitized. And so what I see is very often people will cut things out. They'll start to feel really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then they'll start to notice what, it is mm-hmm. that's really bothering them, but it does take some time to resensitize the body in a way. It, so if I could tell someone like, you might need to give it a couple months to really let things calm down. And then even then, as you calm the biggest red flags down or the biggest fires down, you might notice other little fires that have been burning this whole time that just weren't even on your radar. Yep. So it's, <laughs> it, can, it can be overwhelming, but I think the message, the main message that we're both trying to communicate is lean into your intuition. Let's get back to our roots, our ancestral roots a little bit of, and use those as more of a definitive guideline in terms of what might be good for yeah, us. Yeah, it took me a really long time to realize that like I can freely eat like not just two eggs like I can eat four eggs but we're like okay we have to eat, you can only eat two eggs and now I eat like four raw eggs mixed with kefir like all the time and I feel amazing <laughs> um and and so like it takes you have to kind of like over so th- this is a very important point that a lot of our behavioral uh eating patterns are learned they're incredibly ingrained so these are learned behaviors that we have to like we at least recognize that a lot of this was taught because you know for example people in australia they love vegemite they grew up eating vegemite i i find that disgusting so (laughs) so i think uh you know a lot of these behaviors are, are, are are patterns that we learn societally and they're not necessarily optimal and um for example you can look at babies and what they kind of eat their breast milk is incredibly high in cholesterol and saturated fat so we can never shouldn't villainize something that our body naturally produces number one um you know which is saturated fat and cholesterol because number one you know cholesterol is a precursor to all of your sex hormones and you can you, you can only have you can only uh you know, really use vitamin D if you have cholesterol. And so not only that, your your brain makes 25% of your body's cholesterol in the brain. In fact, it's so important that it, it even makes it on site. <laughs> and so, and, and then the most recent research shows that if you have low cholesterol, you're more, you're, you're more likely to commit suicide. It's more related to violence and depression. And so anytime someone's like, well, cholesterol bad, it's like they're a robot and they're not even really thinking deep down and examining these things if cholesterol so bad then why is it in breast milk you know literally mm. the first food a child eats and why is why is why is a breast milk so high in saturated fat because it has vitamin d a and k 
which is necessary for a baby to develop. And again, moral of the story is challenge everything. Just challenge everything. And what might be true for one person may not be true for you. And that doesn't negate the fact that it works really well for them. You know, oxalates may piss your body off to no end, (laughs) but person A over here might find that they're very nourishing and soothing, whatever. And Mm so both can be true. The world is not that black and white. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, we could just keep going all day long, but I'll <laughs> I'll rein it in here. Yes. And, you know, we'll just have to have you back on to have yeah. more <laughs> random talks. <laughs> Sounds good, definitely.